0: Texas Jack, The White King of the Pawnees, by Ned Buntline, author of Buffalo Bill, etc. Chapter 15 continued. LaSalle fairly raved at the escape of Lucille, and Lamore was even more vexed at the loss of Adeline. "'We will not move one step beyond this till those two women are recovered,' said LaSalle, addressing his men. "'So you may make search as quickly as you can, only enough staying here to guard these women safely.' When we have recovered the fugitives, we will so punish them that no other will dare to attempt a like adventure. I will myself ride back and see if any sign or sound can be found or heard. Lieutenant, assign ten men as guard. The rest will scatter out to seek the escaped women as soon as there is light to see a trail. LaSalle now turned his steps towards the spot where he had secured his horse, untied it, mounted, and then quickly rode away, taking the back trail. More quickly picked out a guard for the captives, and then, as the gray of dawn began to tinge the east, told the rest to get their horses and mount with them to continue the search. "'We're taking a heap of trouble for a couple of women, when there are plenty more left as good-looking as they were,' growled Mormon Ben. But he mounted and rode off with the rest. Chapter 16. In Full Pursuit Scattering in every direction through the timber and among the sand hills, the Red Brotherhood rode to and fro, seeking, as soon as light came, for some traces of the poor women. But they rode and looked in vain, and when some three hours went by, one by one they were seen returning to the place of the bivouac, tired and vexed, but all unsuccessful. One of the last to come back was Basil L'Amour, and the captain was still absent. The latter had seen no trace of the women, but he had seen a column of smoke rising far away to the eastward, made he could not imagine by whom or for what purpose. After the men returned, and while they waited for LaSalle to come back, they cooked breakfast for themselves and the women, they groomed their horses, and looked at their rusted arms and wet clothing. Now and then some of them tried to make themselves agreeable in some jesting way to the women captives, but it was impossible to raise a smile among their scared faces, and the men dared not go beyond the orders of their absent captain, for most of them knew him of old by reputation, and knew well that death would follow the first act of disobedience on their part. They had been told that no rudeness in word or act should be offered to these women before they reached a regular resting place, and they were careful as yet to avoid it. Only too well were they assured that this would be policy on their part. Another hour went by, and the sun was already high in the heavens, yet Jacques Lassalle remained absent. He has struck their track, and will follow it till he finds them and brings them in, said L'Amour. I am sure this must be the case, or he would not remain so long away. Well, it gives us a good rest, said one of the men. Our horses were pretty well used up, but now we could make another move if he was here. He may well have gone to see what the smoke meant, said Mormon Ben. He's not a man to stay away without cause. He has gone a long way if he has gone there, said Lemore. I'm not used to judging of distances as they are on your plains, but I should hate to try and ride to that smoke in half a day. "'There is one, less than half a day's ride, and it is in that very direction from where we came,' said one of the men. "'Yes, and most likely it rises from some old log where we halted first and built fires,' said Mormon Ben. "'The fires were left burning when we came on.' "'True. I wonder we did not think of that before,' said L'Amour. "'Going to a steep but small hill nearby, he ascended to the top, and from it looked off in the direction which LaSalle had taken.' For a time, he saw no sign of man or animal, but after a while he detected here and there a few deer and elk at feed. Then, half tired out, he sat down, with his back to a rock, facing east, thinking he would rest while he watched. The warm sun shone down pleasantly upon him, drying his damp garments, and he soon became drowsy, so much so that he could scarcely keep his eyes open. He rose to his feet, feeling that if he did not get back to the party, he would drop asleep, and perhaps be left if they moved and turned to go. At that instant his eyes fell upon a speck, far out on the plain, directly on the trail they had made. Some strange fear came upon them that he could not account for, and he woke up fully, and watched the speck till it grew larger and larger, assuming plainly the shape of a mounted man. "'It is either LaSalle himself, or we are followed,' he muttered, "'for all of our men and all the women, but the two were at the place of bivouac when I left.' Hastening down, he mounted his horse, and calling a couple of the best men to his side, rode out a little way from the camp to meet the rider, whoever he was, or learn beforehand if there was need to mount the party and move on. Before they had ridden a half mile, when they reached a small ridge, they saw who was coming. It was LaSalle himself, riding at full speed. "'Back to camp, and mount all the party at once,' cried the captain as he rode up. "'We are followed by troops and friendly Indians. They are on our trail.' I saw them a long way back, and have ridden at a run ever since. The women, have you seen them? asked L'Amour, as he galloped on by the side of LaSalle. I was on their track when I discovered that we were pursued, and our trail was found, said the hunter. Then they will be rescued by the troops. A thousand curses on such luck, said L'Amour bitterly. No, they are in worse hands than they would be with us. Real Indians have them. How do you know? Because I tracked them from where they dropped from their horses in the sand in a ravine through which we rode, right to a little valley, not two rifle shots from our trail. There the embers of an Indian campfire yet burned, and the tracks of a small party of Indians and their ponies were visible. The women undoubtedly fell in with them just at the break of dawn. I was about to return here, get men, and take that trail, when I saw a smoke in the east and soon after saw through my glass the head of a column of men on our trail i waited long enough to see who and what they were then rode at my best speed to join the party before lasalle had told all he was back at the bivouac and now the men and women were hurried into saddle and the march resumed at a swift trot for the red brotherhood knew that there would be no mercy shown to them if they were overtaken bitter in his disappointment and a loss lasalle mounted a fresh horse and now took charge of a rear guard giving Lamour the point of direction to keep, and ordering him to keep up all possible speed. "'If we can do no more, we can reach a canyon where we can fight to a deadly advantage,' he said to Mormon Ben, who rode next to him. "'Their horses must be tired, for they could not have rested so much as we since the start, for we must have been hours ahead of them when they got the news.' "'Yes, Captain,' said Ben. "'They must have come smart. But we only crept on last night and the night before.' The women were so tired and scared and fool-like, we men were tender of them. If it wasn't for the name of the thing, I'd like to play Indian out clear, as we chaps did once at Meadow Lake, back when I was an out-and-out Mormon. How was that? Oh, well, we killed and scalped all that were in our reach, and I'd rather do that than leave these women to brag that they got away from us. They never will get away from us, not even those who were missed last night, for I shall yet find them if I have to look through every tribe on the plains. But ride up, ride up, man. We're dropping the columns, or is it dropping us? LaSalle spurred his horse forward, and Mormon Ben touched his steed in the flank, and they galloped on. Rising a steep ridge, LaSalle looked back, and his face expressed anxiety, for he saw mounted men cresting another ridge, scarce a mile in his rear. Halting under cover of a thicket, he watched his pursuers, and his eyes gleamed brighter when he counted but three in the advance. Calling back a half-dozen men, he bade the rest ride on while he, with his party, waited and watched. But three, these fools should eat lead, and they will check the rest, for they are the trailers. Two are in buckskin, regular scouts, cried LaSalle, looking through a powerful glass. Keep your cover, men, keep your cover, and let them ride right into the trap. They shall learn what it is to track the Red Brotherhood. Chapter 17, LaSalle and Luck With his eyes on the fresh track the track of a single horse over the older trail of many, Texas Jack spurred on closely followed by Buffalo Bill and Edouard de Carle, who fed with a new hope, almost forgot his wounds, and scorned to yield to the weakness which he could not forget. We will overtake them soon, said Texas Jack, as he urged his horse forward into a narrow defile between two clumps of thorny bush. Edouard de Carle, who was close behind him, saw Texas Jack turn at a sharp angle, The next instant he heard a sound, as if the horse of Texas Jack had stumbled or fallen, and close followed by Buffalo Bill, he turned the same angle on the trail. He got a glimpse of Texas Jack on the ground, with a man bending over him, just as a crushing blow struck him senseless from his horse, and then all was darkness. This luck is too good to believe, cried LaSalle, as he stood over the three men thus disabled, without having been able to return a blow, struck down from their horses by the butts of rifles in his hands, and those of his concealed men. The moor will go wild with joy and surprise to find two of these men in his power. Bind them securely, for we will hold them in our hands. It may save us, as we are close-pressed to have such hostages. The men who stood up, the stunned and helpless scouts, quickly took their arms out of reach, and then bound their hands securely behind them. This done, they lifted them upon their horses, and there so fastened them that they could not fall, and mounting their own horses, riding on each side of the prisoners to hold them up, they pressed on after the main body. The latter had been halted by L'Amour, and he saw that LaSalle was not in sight, but an order thundered out by the latter to move on when he came up to the rear was hurriedly obeyed. By this time, Texas Jack and Buffalo Bill, stronger than the young artist, had recovered from the blows which had stunned them so far as to know that they were prisoners, disarmed, bound, and helpless. Bill, how on earth did this come about? This was the first word uttered by Texas Jack. "'It's a conundrum to me,' muttered Bill. "'The first thing I knew, I knew nothing. "'We're in a bad fix. "'Yeah, and we might be in a worse one. "'I wonder what the cusses have spared for us. "'I can't see. "'Look at the women ahead. "'Oh, the devils.' "'What, Bill? "'You call women devils?' "'I didn't mean them, Jack, and you know it. "'I meant these cusses in war paint and feathers that dragged them off.' "'You're a civil-spoken young man, you are,' said LaSalle, "'who had listened to this brief colloquy. The smoother you carry yourself, the softer will be the bed you lay down on. It's Jack LaSalle himself, cried Texas Jack. Yes, you know me, I see. You'll be apt to know me better before we part. Now answer me a question or two. How many men are on our trail? More than you can handle, you mean cuss, cried Buffalo Bill. I wasn't talking to you, young buckskin. I spoke to Texas Jack, or if you'd like to hear what he is, the Marquis de Omahundro, though it isn't likely he'll live to see his estates, as I have. There are men enough on our trail to avenge us if we're killed, or to retake us if you don't kill us, said Texas Jack quietly. If you know when you're well off, you'll let those women go free and leave us behind. That done, I reckon the major in command will not press you very hard, and you could get away with your gang of thieves and cutthroats. Don't you wish I'd follow your advice, said LaSalle with a sneer. You bet I do, said Texas Jack earnestly, and you couldn't do better. There are two hundred cavalrymen on our trail, besides fifty of my pawnees, and they'll hang there till you're overtaken. They may overtake me in a place they'll not like, said LaSalle. That is, if I allow myself to be overtaken. If their horses are not in better condition than yours are, then they'll have to think a good deal before they do all overhaul me. Edouard de Carlon na- now came to his senses, and he shuddered when he saw the second time the hideous, painted faces and forms about him. Are we prisoners? he gasped. "'Yes. You had better have stayed back. Your friend L'Amour rides at the head of the column. He'll itch to have his claws at your throat when he knows that you are in our hands.' "'Adeline, where is she?' asked the artist, heedless of his own danger and thinking only of her. "'Where you'll not see her very soon,' said LaSalle. "'Spare your breath, young man. You'll need all you have when L'Amour sees you. "'Ah, he's dropping back. I reckon he thinks we've got an addition to our ranks.' L'Amour had indeed fallen back in the line, leaving another to head the march. LaSalle smiled as the columns kept on, for he knew what a surprise would greet L'Amour. The latter commenced to apologize for dropping back when LaSalle was near, but suddenly he stopped speaking, for his eyes fell on Texas Jack. "'By heaven it is he,' he said. "'Yes, that's the man who would step between me and my heritage. "'He shall die the death,' the hand of L'Amour reached to his belt and was on a pistol the next second. "'Hold on, Lieutenant.' "'There's no shooting to be done till I order it. "'Take one good look at my prisoners "'and ride forward to your station,' cried LaSalle. "'Edouard de Carl, too? "'I thought I had split his skull open on the cars,' said the villain. "'I'll make sure next time. "'But I'm glad he lives, for now he shall die by inches.' "'That'll do for the present, lieutenant. "'To your station, sir, to your station, "'and push on at your best speed, "'for we must keep out of the way of our pursuers "'till we reach a place fit to fight in.' will be there soon if you keep going. L'Amour hated to go on, but he knew LaSalle's temper too well to disobey him, and with one look of exulting hate cast on Texas Jack and another for the artist, he spurred back to his place at the head of the column. A bitter pill, that L'Amour. If I had not been here, two of you would be past praying for, said LaSalle, quietly addressing the prisoners. You'll be past praying for before another sun rises, said Texas Jack. He had just caught sight of some of his Pawnees, rising a hill not more than a couple of miles in his rear. His keen eyes detected them as they rose between him and the sky beyond. "'When I go, you'll keep me company, young man, so feel easy,' replied LaSalle. But he, too, saw how near his pursuers were, and he sent one of his men, Mormon Ben, forward to tell the more to ride at full speed till he was ordered to lessen it. Mormon Ben gave the order and then fell back to his place. No word was spoken for half an hour longer, and then LaSalle himself broke the silence. They were rising a long ascent and had a clear view for miles back. The Pawnees had lost ground, while to their rear the troops could barely be seen. "'You see, their stock isn't up to ours,' said LaSalle, smiling. Then he sent an order on to L'Amour to take the ascent at a more easy gait so as to breathe his horses. "'We'll soon have another night upon us,' he said. "'Then I think I'll bother those who follow. If they know this country any better than I do, they're smart. I doubt it anyway.' All this time, in agony of thought and suspense, Édouard de Carl was looking among the forms of the women in front for the figures of Adeline as well as that of poor Lucille, for he thought he could surely know them no matter how far away, if only in sight. In vain his eyes wandered along the line. He could not see one form that appeared like that of, Lu- of Adeline. At last, his suspense too cruel to be held in check, he turned to LaSalle. Tell me, he asked, how the lady Adeline Cherchille is. I do not see her before us. A fiendish smile was on the hunter's face. He would not gratify the young artist by an acknowledgment that she and Lucille had escaped. He only muttered out, Your eyesight is poor, young man. When you shed as many tears as they have, it may be better. They're not there. They may have escaped. Heaven granted it is the case, thought the young artist, but he did not speak the thought aloud. Prudence forbade it. Now, nearly at the top of the hill, the column entered a line of timber, and LaSalle was obliged to go forward and give new directions as to the course. But before he left, he placed Mormon Ben in charge of the rear guard, with orders to keep a keen lookout upon the prisoners, and to see that the column was kept closed up. Chapter 18. A Friend in Need Mormon Ben, with quite an air of importance, ordered two of his men to ride along side by side with Texas Jack and the young artist, while he rather checked the horse of Buffalo Bill so that it should keep pace with his own in the extreme rear. Now unnoticed by the rest, he made a peculiar and significant sign to Buffalo Bill, which caused the latter to look at him with astonishment. I can't return that with my hands tied, said Buffalo Bill in a low tone, but I am a widow's son, as you well know, in need of help. I, I know it better than you, said Mormon Ben. You helped me once, and I haven't forgotten it. I never saw you before that I know of. Yes, you did, when you were only a boy, teaming with for General Johnston's army when he invaded Utah. I was in the guardhouse near Salt Lake, sentenced to be hung, when a young girl who told you she was my sister begged you, weeping, to carry me a small bundle, unseen by anyone else. Do you forget? No, I remember the girl now. She was pretty, and I pitied her. She cried so. Yes, she was good on that cry, Sally was. I never knew but one Sally that wasn't. No matter. That bundle gave me liberty, for I filed off my irons and slid. They couldn't hang me, for I wasn't there when I was wanted. Now I shall help you when I can safely. Keep cool and wait. If you help me, you must help my friends, said Buffalo Bill in a firm tone. I wouldn't thank you for any favor that they did not share. Buffalo Bill looked at Texas Jack and Carl as he spoke. I'll do all I can, but they do not belong where you've traveled. "'Texas Jack has been chosen, but not initiated,' said Buffalo Bill. "'He came away too soon. "'It matters not. "'He's my dearest friend next to my own family. "'I'll do all I can for him and for you, "'but be careful. "'I may be watched, "'and I will have to be as rough as the roughest to all appearances.' "'All right,' said Buffalo Bill, "'but answer me one question. "'How did you ever get where only good men and true should be found? "'I got there before the devil got hold of me and made me what I am.' I've never forgotten what I was, though I may never be there where the light shines again. Ask me no more. It makes me gloomy to think what I might have been had I lived up to my first vows. Well, we must hurry up. The column is getting ahead of us. Buffalo Bill looked back as Mormon Ben touched both the horses with a switch torn from an extended branch. Neither troops nor Pawnees were in sight now. He sighed, for he knew that their horses were well nigh used up by the long-continued march. Mormon Ben read the meaning of both look and sigh, and said, Don't fret. If we keep on after night, you'll have free hands, you and your friends too, and a chance to drop from your horses and get out of line, as two of the women did last night. Ah, have two escaped? Then the young artist was right. He missed the two he most wanted to see. Be still. Give no sign or word from them, or that scampless saw will overhaul me and put it out of my power to help you. Mum's the word, said Bill. I'll keep my lips as close as the old bachelor's purse. A patch of timber crusting the hill was not large, and soon the column, now headed by La Salle and Lamour, passed through it, coming into a singular region, a section of rocky hills, ravines, and chasms, almost entirely devoid of grass and bushes, looking arid and red as if at some time it had been burned over, or perhaps cast up in some fiery eruption from below. Have you ever been here before? Asked Buffalo Bill, yet riding to the side of uh, Mormon Ben. No. Have you? Yes, once. I got separated from my party once in a fight we had, where all of our chances were to scatter, and I came into this country, and a hard route it is to travel. The horse that drinks these waters will die. They're full of arsenic. A little arsenic will fatten a horse, but if the water's bad, horses will not drink it. Not without, they are very dry, as mine was when he drank, and I lost him. At this moment, a man who had been halted to convey orders along the line was approached by the rear guard. The captain says no horse must be allowed to touch water till we reach timber again, he said. The water here is deadly poison. You see, he knows almost everything, said Mormon Ben. He's been all through this country. I heard him say so. I never have seen his beat. The other chap isn't worth shucks, only to put on airs, but all the men are afraid of the captain. I've heard of him before," said Buffalo Bill. Texas Jack knows him and says he's a regular fire eater. If he was dropped off of your gang, wouldn't amount to much. I don't know. They're a hard crowd all through. Rake all the prisons and the rest with a fine-tooth comb, and you wouldn't get a harder set. There isn't one who'd stop to think before he did a murder. And as to Robin, well, they're all almost as old at it. But right up, mate, night's close to us. I wish the captain would send the lieutenant back to take charge of the rear guard, so that he'd get the blame when you'd be missed. I guess he's doing that now, for the fellow is halted by the side of the column. So he has. Here, take this knife. I'll shove it in your bosom. Keep your hands behind you still, though I'll cut the knot. It'll be dark soon, and then you must work for liberty yourself and free your friends if you can. Don't try to get off with your horses. Mormon Ben was as quick in his actions as his words. A knife was thrust inside Buffalo Bill's buckskin hunting shirt, and the thong which bound his hands was severed in a second. When the rear guard arrived where L'Amour had halted, the latter sulkily said to Mormon Ben, "'It's the captain's orders that you join him in the advance. I'll take charge here.' "'All right, lieutenant. I'd rather be there than here. These cusses are devilish poor company, as you'll find. There's no talk in them. "'There wouldn't be if I had my way,' growled L'Amour." Dead men can't talk. Ride on, or it'll be too dark to ride along the line. You can hardly see now where the rocks and holes are. Never fear. I can feel my way as if I can't see it, said Ben, laughing. The imprisoners had better kept in the lump, the three of them together, so it'll be easier to watch. Buffalo Bill understood this hint, and touching his horse with his heels, it joined the other two and left the three prisoners riding side by side. L'Amour, sulkily as usual, preferred to be alone, and brought up the rear by himself, while Mormon Ben dashed on to reach the head of the column as soon as he could, sure that Buffalo Bill would escape the very moment the way for himself and his companions was made possible. Night was now fading in fast, dark too, for clouds heavy and laden overhung the sky. Another storm seemed to be gathering. The column was led rapidly forward, for there was no place to halt now, without almost certain death to the animals, if not to the men, in that potential locality.